All right, welcome back to another scintillating episode of VA Radio. Ooh, uh, yeah. scintillating. Did you like that one? That was quite uh, exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's a, <laughs> kind of a double whammy there. Right. Uh, I'm Kevin Oste, joined as always by our co-host, Mr. Mike Cuball-Clark, who is uh, uh, stimulated and scintillated. I Indeed, scintillated. I like it. I have no idea what that means, but uh, it was a word. Well, we're, we're running with it. Yes. Like uh, a kid with uh, pointy scissors at a swimming pool. We're just running <laughs> in, in full danger Indeed. mode. <laughs> right. Let's just go for it. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, as we record this one, it's uh, uh, kind of early spring, and uh, the, the event world is really starting to rock, and uh, there's things going on all over the place. I know uh, an interesting event that's happening right now that some of our friends are at is the Ford fe race and reunion are you familiar familiar with that one i am not familiar with that one yeah. but it sounds pretty cool yeah it's all uh big fords and mustangs and stuff racing all weekend in pennsylvania so uh we got some oh, friends right out on. there yeah right uh we did a 64 galaxy at the v8 speed and resto shop a blue one that you got a ride in as a matter of fact Yes, I did. That was that was a pretty hot car. Yeah, it's a woof. Uh, a Stroker 428 dual quad four speed car um, that we did some paint work on and a few things. And I think that's there in Pennsylvania this weekend. So is that right? Yeah. yeah. What's uh, what's what's the latest on your end? There is really no latest on my end. Uh, I it's been a week and I haven't heard boo from uh, from my guy and uh, I haven't called him so it's regarding the GTO engine block re- yeah exactly regarding the GTO engine block um, you know I see my uh, you know my neighbor my buddy Robert driving around in his galaxy all the time and it's you know I'm happy for him but I guess get that little cringe of jealousy like that needs to be me going out there man yeah it happens but, uh, it happens it does it you, does. you need you need to be uh you need to be happy for him, though. That he... I, I totally am. I totally am. Yeah. I mean, he deserves it. Uh, he loves the car, and it, it holds, you know, personal meaning for him. And his dad used to sell uh, cars way back in the day. And uh, he, his, when his father passed away, he got a little bit of an inheritance from him. And he asked his brothers, he's like, "What, what car did mom and dad really like?" You know, but his dad sold Cadillacs and other mm-hmm. things, and. He said, well, mom always liked the Galaxy convertibles. And so he found one and he got one. And, you know, it, 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 he thinks of his mom all the time when he has it. And, uh, you know, it's a great car. He's been working on it little by little here and there and keeps it running. And uh, it's been a good car for him. Interesting. So I'm t- totally happy for him. I couldn't be more happy for him. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, and it's interesting that he, he kind of made his choice on what they dug and not necessarily something that he grew up in or something. Exactly. Exactly. So it's kind of a nice yeah. uh, uh, honor and tribute to them. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally is. Yeah. So I'm so. in a, an organization called the Optimist International, and it's a um, it's a fundraising group for kids. And in our case, uh, it's a local club that I'm in. And part of being in the Optimist Club is uh, kind of following what's known as the Optimist Creed, and it's a very famous. Not really a poem, but it's a verse thing. It was written, I don't know, 95 years ago and adopted by this club at some point. But uh, there's a line in there that I think is pretty cool. And it, it single-handedly wipes out uh, that jealousy, anger, <laughs> envy really? kind of thing. Well, the line is to always be just as enthusiastic about the success of others as you are about your own. And it's a, right on. it's a pretty cool thing to, you know, go, yeah, well, you know, that I wish that was me, but you know what? That's really cool that he's out there doing it. So, yeah. And your, yeah. your time will come. It will. It will. I'm patient enough. So, yeah. well, it'll happen when it happens, when it's, when it's supposed to happen, it'll happen. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. When the guy's supposed to make the pistons and mail them to the, yeah. <laughs> the machine shop, he will do that and it will happen. Yeah, that too. Uh, brother so uh before we get too deep into this mess uh is there a trivia question this week there is a trivia question this week he's he 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 says with a look in his eye like you're going down pal you are going down fella on the surface is a pretty simple question but uh aren't they all it will it will be your undoing all right good all right here we go then 
1970 GTO had the humbler option. And that was the vacuum-operated exhaust, like, you know, factory exhaust cutouts. How many 70 GTOs were equipped with the humbler option? And, I, and I'll let you get within plus or minus 10. Oh, thank you for that. Because I'm cool like that. Yeah, you had to go deep into the GTO stuff, didn't you? I had to. Dude, yeah. you're too, you know too much. Yeah, yeah, that's that's... That's a farce, but uh, <laughs> not at all. Um, interestingly, uh, that that is a cool option, and essentially, what it did is valve down the exhaust note, the volume level, essentially, in a, inside of a can turbo style muffler, right? Based on engine vacuum. Well, no, there was a knob. Uh, there was a knob that you pulled. That was if you if your car had ram air. There was also a knob that you pulled to, to open up the ram air scoops, but this was another knob next to it that you hit a vac. It would pull the knob, it would hit a vacuum switch, and you'd have wide open exhaust. Right, right. And it was super loud, and I guess the yeah. GM executives went crazy when they heard about it and shut it down. There is um, at least one company that I know of that recreates that. Is that right? That is a reproduction th- of that. I, I think I, I remember that being a thing as well. Yeah, and it's pretty neat because you can jump online and, and hear video clips of how that works, and um, it's impressive because those those Pontiac GTO 400s um, or in 70, even 455s, right. they scream with that exhaust note open. <laughs> but I have no idea how many they made from the factory. I have no kind. I know I've never seen one in person. Um. And you were giving me within a, a unit of 10? Yeah, plus or minus 10, my friend. Which means, okay, so 20 on either end total. <laughs> I'm going to guess 250 were made. 250. Yeah. Is that is that your final answer, sir? That That is my final answer. Because I, right. I have no idea. But I, I'm basing that guess on not having seen one. And, uh-huh. and you were giving me 10. And, and there might... You might be being a real uh, 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 sneaky person by saying there might only be 10 <laughs> that were made. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you, my friend. <laughs> this is how my mind works. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, All right. I wrote that down. Okay. 250 for Kevin. All right. Well, uh, All right. I have a question as well. and well, I'm um, sure you do. Yeah. It actually just came to me because I didn't have one. Um, oh. but, but we were talking about the Ford FE race reunion over the weekend. Um, the Ford FE is a series of engines that was, uh, uh, produced, I think technically in the late fifties through, through, uh, the mid seventies, it's an engine family, mm-hmm. uh, various displacements, uh, um, the biggest, biggest being a 428, I believe. Um, but what does FE stand for? Why couldn't you ask me what was the lowest displacement <laughs> FE? Because I was ready for that. Well, what was the lowest displacement FE? 352. I think, I'm not sure that's true. Oh, God dang it. Of course it's not true. I know that was the base FE V8 in, in the early oh. 60s cars, um, but there might have been a truck variant that had a smaller displacement. Really? It's possible. Oh. Don't quote me on that. Uh, fine, I won't. <laughs> um, all right, FE. Mm-hmm. What does FE stand for? Big heavy engines. Yeah. Um, and is that a clue or not? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Big heavy engine. Um, he thinks back to his chemistry class. Oh gosh! Um, oh, uh, iron uh, isn't Fe iron? Fe is the uh, abbreviation for the uh, periodic table of elements under uh-huh. iron for the element. Is that going to be your guess? That'll be my guess. It's an iron engine, all iron. As most of them were, yeah. As most of them were, but heavy iron. Iron block. Iron block, iron heads, iron intake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My God, I even probably had an iron 
boil pan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So he's, is that, and is that your final uh, answer? There? Yeah, that's my final tap dance on that. All right. Well, I will, I will make a note. Appreciate the clue. Of course, uh, you're probably sending me in the wrong direction anyway. But uh, I said, it, it, is it or not? I don't know. Uh-huh. I'm yeah. just trying yes. to. You, provide... As a matter of fact, you do know. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm just trying to provide some fodder as the wheels turn. Yeah. You know, I'm, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm, uh, I'm doing a rain delay over here. You know, like I need to be Harry Carey saying names right. backwards. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's an EF engine backwards. Exactly. <laughs> 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 Who knows? Carlos Serrano went on first. Yes. So, All right. uh, okay, well, that's noted then. That'll be our trivia question extravaganza. Yeah. Lovely. I think I'm sunk, but we shall see. Yeah, maybe not as much as you think, but we'll keep going. Yeah. So your neighbor Robert with the uh, again an FE powered car. Um, yes. How long has he? Uh, how long has he had that thing? He has had that. I think eleven or twelve years. I moved into my house. I live in now. Uh, it'll be eleven years this June. And um, when I moved in, I think he just got it because I saw it sticking out of the back of his garage. He was he was the first guy that came up to introduce himself as I was pulling the uh, moving van in uh, when I was mm-hmm. coming in. And I saw it, and I said, at first I th- I thought it was a Fairlane. I said, is that a Fairlane? Because of the it's a '66 Galaxy. He had the you know the square tail lights, square uh, squarish rear tails, and um, yeah. It kind of looked Fairlane-ish to me. And he's like, oh, man, it's a C66 Galaxy convertible. It's great. Blah, 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 blah. So, um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's been about 11, 12 years he's had it. And uh, what engine's in that It's one? a 352. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are cool. Yeah. That's a neat car. Yeah, it's got... And that's a car... You can you can kind of get into those without having to spend a zillion dollars, too. Totally. He didn't spend a zillion dollars getting it. It's a convertible, too. Yeah, it's a nice car. It's been painted. It has, you know, there's no rust on it. Uh, you know, it's been painted, and the paint's in good shape. Um, he did have the heads rebuilt. Uh, you know, he got a carburetor for it. Had to get a new distributor for it. You know, he fixed his things here and there. He had to put some wiring in it. I helped him with. Um, but old car stuff. Yeah, old. Just you know, your basic old car stuff. Nothing too too crazy. That's sweet. Yeah, it, there is a, a, a still, a, I think, a decent amount of cars out there like that one that you can get behind the wheel of if you're just a fan of having a cool old car mm-hmm. that that isn't super expensive um, that you can go out and enjoy, you know. And, and I'm saying this because I have the, uh, the Mecham uh, Spring Classic Auction coming up in, uh, in a couple of weeks in Indy, and that is like, it's one of the best muscle car auctions ever, but of course it always between that one and the Barrett Jackson, uh, Florida auction in Kissimmee earlier and end of January, early February, these two kind of set the tone for values throughout the year of what these cars are worth. Right. And, and, um, you know, it, it, a rash generalization is that things are still kind of all over the board. It's nice to be able to see, cars like that galaxy you know even at those auctions you can still generally pick something up that's not you know a hemi cuda convertible or a 69 camaro or something right uh, um and, and 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 go out and enjoy it i mean my, my riv is a perfect example it's just you know 20 i bought it with twenty five thousand six hundred miles on it or so and it was less than five grand that's that's incredible man that's the that's the deal of the decade oh well but but nobody's into these cars yeah you know so there is no market driving oh. the the value. Yeah, you you are the market pretty much, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, me and six other people exactly. in a Facebook group that I started. You know? <laughs> that, that, that's it. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. You know, it's always fun to see where the high end cars are going. Sure. Um, and of course, everybody's got their opinions on that. And 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 the other challenge that that we've been considering in the restoration business is kind of you know what's the what's the future because. Today, we're used to seeing 71 Hemi Cuda convertible, you know, one of a couple made fetching three and a half million Mm dollars. But is that car going to be worth that 10 years from now? You know, are the people that are used to buying and spending that, are they still going to be around? And does the next generation care that much? That's that's a good point. 
I mean, ha- they, they have to care about it in order to keep driving that value on it. Um, it makes that makes total sense. I mean, what what I think is interesting is a lot of people will say that the street rod fad or street rod genre is kind of dead in the water um, because the and when I say street rod, I'm talking fat fenders, fat fendered cars from the '40s right. and '30s, '40s, maybe early '50s that had uh, their heyday in the 80s and early 90s with uh-huh. the tweed interiors and <laughs> monochromatic paint schemes and a lot of graphics and stuff. Right. And, and they all had the same thing under the hood. Oh, it's Turbo 3, you know, Chevy 350, yeah. the Turbo 350. They all had the exact same exactly. thing with a holly carburetor uh-huh. on it. Um, and today, that style of car... Um, you know, you see them out there and they're all like dilapidated because they've been done for 20 or 25 years and nobody's building that kind of thing anymore. Right. To a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and that crowd has aged and kind of moved on. But so we got a little nervous saying, well, you know, is the whole fat fendered thing over with? But at the same time, the the younger crowd has adapted those cars into in one direction some of the the rat rod kind of stuff and in the other direction we're seeing some super high-end adaptations of the fat fendered stuff Uh that is getting away from the tweed and now it's all hand-stitched leather and it's got custom made bright work on it and beautiful finishes and these are riddler yeah i was just gonna say yeah your riddler awards looking like that and you're absolutely right they they do seem to be evolving from the tweed to this really high-end material stuff, as as those people who had those uh, those cars in the '80s, they're getting older. Maybe they have they've acquired more wealth and they can afford to build a car of that magnitude and that that level. And I think what we see is that um, the next generation, maybe they didn't get their crank turned by seeing that monochromatic paint scheme. Uh-huh. And maybe they're getting burned out or, or they've seen too many Tri-5 Chevys and muscle cars. And, and the muscle car thing, the values of muscle cars seems to be rising and rising for the select few correct, perfect, low option, high value cars. Right. Um, and we're seeing what I, what I call the street ratification of some of the muscle cars too. The 69 Camaro is the new 32 Ford, they always said, because you see people customizing them. And, mm-hmm. and in one direction, it's the pro touring cars that, that perform and are meant to be, you know, thrashed. And then the other one where you see custom dashboards and, you know, everything but the tweed (laughs) from the the 80s and 90s street rod, Mm -hmm. but stuffed on a Camaro, big wide tires Mm -hmm. and and crazy paint and everything else. Uh, But so I think as a new source of, uh, of inspiration, people are being able to pick up a street rod that might have been, you know, 20 or 30 grand to build back in the eighties and early nineties, pick the thing up for five grand, you know, cause it hasn't run in a while right. and it's just a turbo three fifty behind a three fifty mm-hmm. Chevy. But let's, let's do that with a, a batter engine and redo it and come up with something really cool. And next thing you know, um, you have a high end car or the other thing I think is pretty cool is we're seeing lots and lots of those cars being kind of returned more to a, an earlier look with steelies and white walls and caps right. and all the trim back on, um, and, you know, in a, a period color scheme and everything mm-hmm. else, maybe a flathead under the hood again and yeah. you know, that. So, yeah, that's pretty rad. I like seeing that a lot. Yeah. We had a, a really slick little 39 Chevy in the shop a couple weeks ago and it's a business coupe and it's gray. It's wearing most of its original paint from 39. No kidding. And original interior, old mohair. Yeah, you know. right on. And it's a low mile car. I mean, I think it, I think it was in the forty thousand or fifty thousand mile range. Oof. And the uh, the guy that owns it is uh, a racer primarily, an old street racer, drag racer. And he, this car has been in their family for thirty or forty years, and it was finally time to do something with it. So he put a a Mustang two front clip under it and some speedway lowering leaf springs uh-huh. in the back. And, uh, um, he did a, a crate small block conversion, but he had, a, and I hadn't seen these before. It's a billet, a black powder coated billet valve cover, but a milled Chevrolet script in it. So it looked like the old Corvette style valve covers. Right. 
um, but they were a little bit more modern, but they, they belonged and it had a Cadillac air cleaner on it with the, you know, the bat wing. Right. Thing and, uh, and it was really slick designed to be driven and, and, you know, just go have fun with it. And it was lowered a lot and it had uh, red steel wheels with caps and white nice. wheels. And it's like, this is perfect. That's a great look. And you could, it is a great look. And the car is charcoal, dark gray, you know, so it's a full on hot rod kind of look. And people were falling all over themselves. And it's got dings and dents. And it wasn't a rat, you know, right. but it was just... Well used. Yeah, yeah. And uh, our, our buddies over at um, at Street Rod Life magazine, which is interesting because that magazine is doing really, really well um, highlighting cars like this that aren't, again... I, I, I think the, the point of all this is maybe that term street rod needs to, to, to evolve a little bit. Uh, or it doesn't mean the same now as it used to. Um, but that image of a, uh, a mint green willies where everything is mint green, you know, on a set of center lines, I think that that day has come and gone. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what it kind of does though, is it gets us back to the value question of, all right, well, if that street rod was a high dollar thing 30 years ago, mm-hmm. and then it maybe is time for a change. You change them up, they're a high dollar thing now. You know, I, I don't know if there's ever been a situation where the values of all these cars just completely plummeted and everybody was giving away or crushing their junk. I don't know. Maybe somebody gets a hold of um, one of these tweed monochrome street rods and they just as simple as updating it, giving it more of a modern look. Well, like like a more tasteful color, uh getting the bumpers chromed again, getting a, like a cool leather interior in it, just changing it up the whole look that makes it more visually appealing. It's the same car, but now mm-hmm. it looks cool. And that, and by that, it just increases people, more people, there's a bigger market for it now. And therefore the value of it increases. It just, and you didn't really change you know, the, the mechanical, maybe it still has a 350 with a turbo 350 transmission mm-hmm. and the maybe maybe an open rear end. But mm-hmm. you change the color, you make it more classic looking, you make it cool looking, and more people want it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm seeing uh, extreme street rod makeover. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, something like that. <clears throat> you know, without, without even being extreme. Mm-hmm. You know, wheels, colors, interior stuff, mm-hmm. and like you're saying, leave the rest yeah, of the not, not blowing the, not blowing it apart, not powder coating the frame, uh, you know, not uh, doing the underside or any of that nonsense, just doing your, a basic makeover on it, and it, change, it, yeah, it just transforms would, it. That would be cool to do, and in fact, um, I, I'm not the guy who's buying and selling a lot of cars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a couple, of Kelly and I and the family, that have... That, are ours and and they're ours alone our shop doesn't own any cars Mm -hmm. some some restoration shops they have a shop car that they build and then sell we're lucky enough to have been busy all the time to where you know we don't need a fill-in job Mm -hmm. kind of car things get slow everybody's always cranking but i i talk to customers all the time about some ideas you know and in some ways (laughs) it's not like here you spend your money on this cool thing um but they can get something really cool and I might, there's a couple guys I might be able to float that out to, to say, Hey, if I find something on Craigslist, that is a, uh, a well dated, but maybe well put together car. That's not all rusty and clapped together, mm-hmm. uh, to see what it would be like to, uh, to, to kind of change the personality on it, which is something you could not do in good conscience on a correct muscle car. Right. Absolutely not. Never. Right. You're not going to be taking a, um, you know, there, there's one, it's been floating around on uh, on some of the social media this past week for whatever reason. Uh, you saw this car in person at the Muscle Car Corvette Nationals, but it, it is a 71 uh, Hemi Cuda convertible. It's the only one that came from the factory in orange with white billboard stripes on the side. Right, yeah. It's insane. It is. Um, oh, and it's, it's beautiful. I think it's largely unrestored, you know, and you couldn't just say, well, that's a dated look. I'm going to make that thing, you know satin black and put white walls on it and you know invent a hot rod yeah, yeah. Uh, because the word on this well on, on social media and i don't really think i believe this but people were talking about that potentially being the first 10 million dollar cuda wow Oof. that would be something to see 
Well, it really would. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Based on what the value is now, that's a big leap. It's three times higher. Yeah. Three, you know, 300%. Yeah. That's right? Is that the math? Close a lot enough. more. Yeah, that's a, it's a big markup. <laughs> that's for sure and the guy's not selling the car they've had it forever Mm -hmm. and and you know it's not for sale but it was just you know one of these clickbait catchy headlines maybe is this the 10 million dollar cuda you know and and you know next thing you know um but that's part of the thing that kind of got me thinking and and it it's a little aggravating sometimes when we produce a, a muscle car of the week episode with a very high dollar car and again touching on our uh our, our topic before of some of the envy that people have when we present a car on muscle car of the week, we never discuss value because that's, it's not what the show's about. Right. The show's about sharing a car that most people are not you know going to get a chance to see from a, a perspective of, you know, a regular, you know, guy like myself, because I'll never own any of these cars right. and there's enough people out there that dig them and, and they need to be seen. Um, and what kind of gets me every once in a while is somebody will post a comment saying, oh, yeah, you know, one of those just sold for $2 million or even if it's 500000 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you get the angry people after, <laughs> you know, and I, I see this, you see it all the time. Oh, yeah, it must be nice to have more money than brains, <laughs> you know, or, or, or whatnot. And I think to myself, you know, what was the point of that post? <laughs> Because it's just jealousy, some, pettiness. It, 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 it is just jealousy. And, and to do an analysis, if you, if you have the money and you see the value and you spend whatever it is you spend on something, um, and it, it, you know, at that level, yes, these cars can be considered investments because, um, you know, there's a good chance, I guess, that it's going to go up. I guess there's a chance it's going to go down. And, and I don't know specifically from anybody's experience outside of, you know, my own, but I, m- my understanding and knowing the, the guys in the Brothers Collection that own those cars that we feature, knowing that they're not flipping these cars, you know, the next week, mm-hmm. I know that they are in a position to where they can buy them and they enjoy them and they're sharing them in a way they can right now, which is through our videos. Right. At some point, there will be a, a public space. You can go see them in person. I don't, I mean, it'd be silly for me to say that they're not considering them to be investments, but that's not why they're doing this. You know, they're not buying these cars saying, I'm going to make, you know, 50 grand on this, you know, when I sell it at the next auction next week. They don't look at it as a commodity. They look, they get them because they love cars. Absolutely. And, and certainly there are those who buy cars as commodities. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there's a bell curve. I think at the super, super high end, I don't think those are really commodities, those are more of, you know, showpieces or crown jewels, if you will. Mm-hmm. And there's there's definitely an ego that goes along with it to say that you own one of those. I mean, you're yeah. in a separate elite group, you know, no doubt yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, makes sense. But I start to think about, so so where's the value? And what does value mean? And, and um, when we talk to potential customers at the restoration shop at, at VHB and Resto, and they come to us, had a guy come in yesterday. He's looking at buying a 56 Ford F100 pickup truck killer truck mm-hmm. hates hates the color hmm. yeah so I, I you know i want to bring this guy you know this truck to you guys what's it going to cost me to paint this truck because i'll never get my money back out of it you know if i don't watch what i'm doing and and you know that's the statement right there mm-hmm. i'll never get my money back out of it and and i really started to think about this outside of maybe cars and houses in my world anyway is there anything in your daily life that you say, oh, I'm not going to buy that box of Cheerios because I ain't going to get my money back up? <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, that makes true. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great looking coffee table. How much do you think I'm going to get back out of that thing in five years? Right. Right? Yeah. Yeah, not much. So, not much. No, nothing. Yeah. And, and so there, therefore, the value is in the ownership and, and you might complain about the price of entry. It might be a, an expensive thing to obtain. And maybe that's why people are so fixated on mm-hmm. it in some ways. But when it comes down to it, you're, you know, you've got your GTO in the garage behind you. And if that GTO 
when you walk out in your garage, even though it hasn't run in a while, but when you see that car, if it releases some stress, if it brings you some joy, if it, if it equates you with, you know, your youth or a great time, that's worth something. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not money, but it's, it's value. Yeah. You, you, yeah, it was perfect what you said. Um, just the sheer ownership of it should be the value of what it does for you, what it does for your soul, it eases your tension, eases your mind. Absolutely. Remind you, I mean, this reminds me of my dad every time I see it, who's no longer with us. So it's, it means every, it, it's worth, it's, it's priceless to me. I mean, that's how much value it has for me. So mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty much married to it. I'll never get rid of it. So if I give you 50 grand cash today, I bet I could own it. I bet you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know. I know. I, I, I got a galaxy behind me that I wouldn't take, you know. I have to say that there probably is a dollar figure I would take, but it would be a very tough decision. Yeah. Now, my, if my old man were here and he heard you say that, he'd smack me up my, upside my head if I didn't yeah. take it. It's like, God, yeah. take that money. It's just a car. Right. Well, well but it, it's, it's certainly not just a car. Right. You know, and, and, and that's when, when I see these people that, that make these comments, you know, either they've, I kind of feel bad for them because maybe they've never had that experience of, and again, I'm not a thing centric guy. I don't need to own things Mm -hmm. to make me happy. Uh, But there are certain things that, that help, you know, and they, I think they're valuable because this, this Buick behind me is, uh, it's not the car that I used to own, but it's real close to what I used to own and I associate the good times we had with it and everything else. Sure. And I can't go into my local grocery store and buy a box of, you know, nostalgia O's or something <laughs> and pour a bowl of it and have a great time remembering my youth. You know, it yeah, just doesn't work that exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I guess at the high end level, we're, we're seeing fewer and fewer people and there really only was two handfuls of people that had a full on nostalgic experience with a Hemi Cuda convertible, you know, between 70 and 71, they made 42 of these things. So 42 people bought them new, right? Yeah. So those 42 people, maybe there's, I don't know, 10 left in the world. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) New owners. Yeah. It's very possible. There could be none. I mean, there's gotta be at least a couple. Yeah, yeah, and and there's there's uh, you know they're out there, but I guess in our case, because you and I are the age bracket where you didn't buy that GTO new, no. and I didn't buy this Galaxy or this Buick mm-hmm. new, so then it's a family association mm-hmm. or or whatever. Um, but it, to me, I, I I try to get that that point across um, when I'm talking with customers who and and I you know I get it, everybody's concerned about spending money, and me more than most, I don't I don't spend money at all. Kelly gives me a hard time because I'm a miser, you mm-hmm. know. But um, you know, when people come to our restoration shop, I'm not the guy that tries to sell anybody on anything. We try to talk to them. They came to us for a reason. Right. Either they're curious or they have something in mind. Uh, or they recognize that we have a crew that cares about building cars and, and does a nice job with them. And they're always asking, you know, so what's it going to cost? And and this guy with this F100, we were talking yesterday, and and I said, well, let me reverse this question. Instead of you asking me what, what it's going to cost to – he wanted it repainted, and, and it's got a six-cylinder, so he wanted a small-block Ford – Actually, he was talking about a 327 Chevy and a 56 Ford. We'll have that discussion later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he wanted disc brakes put on it, you know, and he's got this price in mind. And, and I tend to flip that question and say, well, I'll tell you what, let's do this backwards. What do you not want to spend on this car? Uh-huh. You know, so, so what's, what's out of the question? And I, I'm not asking this to have him come back to me and say, well, I've got, you know, 30000 that I, I, I've set aside for this as an attempt for me to get all of his 30,000. Right. Know, that's not what I'm after. Uh-huh. But, if, but if he says, and nobody, nobody will give you the real number anyway. Yeah. Um, but, it, but if he says, well, you know, I was kind of thinking I could probably get this stuff done for, you know, $15,000 or whatever. Uh-huh. I can say, okay, good. Now, now I got a window uh-huh. and now I can see what we can shove in that window to make you happy and not be upset with, you know, the money aspect and still get you something that you're going to enjoy and provide value. And at that point we find out at the same time, 
so what does this truck mean to you? You know, and in this case, this is a guy who stumbled across a truck and, you know, wanted to buy it. Well, in the conversation later on, I find out his very first car was a 56 Ford uh, truck. okay. So, you know, so now it's okay. Well, what was that one all about? And now we can kind of connect yeah. with him. And, and again, it's not to try and wring money out of this guy, but it's an attempt to help him make that connection in a way that's going to be more meaningful sure. and less aggravating Absolutely. And, and really get there. So it, it's tricky because, I, like I said, I'm, I'm certainly not the guy that buys and sells cars and just, you know, hey, I made 10 grand on this one, yeah. and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Sometimes I'd kind of like to be that way, uh-huh. uh, but I'm the guy that buys them high and sells them low, so I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, we are cut from the same cloth, my friend. Oh, heavens to Betsy. Yeah, but kind of keeping this stuff in mind is one of the reasons why at our shop, I think we've had at least six original family, uh, original owner cars that we've done work on. And some have been complete restorations, like that uh, seven liter Galaxy that's on the uh-huh. cover of Hemmings this month. Uh-huh. Yesterday, we delivered the 80 Dodge Murata. Oh, you delivered it? Yep, it's done. Oh, right on. That thing was so pretty when you were finished up with it. <laughs> well, yeah, and here's an interesting value question car. because this, So the story on that one is uh, our customer is um, a retired gentleman who bought a 1980 Dodge Murata brand new. And if I get the story right, he was in the Army in Germany when he bought it and had it I think the car was in Germany, delivered there, or he had it shipped over or whatnot, and has been driving this thing basically ever since. Huh. And this is his car, you know, and he's a big Mopar guy, and he, he loves all the different Dodge products. Um, but a Murata, you know, most people don't even know what it was. It looks kind of like a Ford Fairmont from the era. Uh-huh. It's got a sloping back window, sure. and um, it has a 318 two-barrel from the factory, low compression because it's 1980. Right. Uh, boxy styling, no real chrome or, or anything flashy to speak of. It's black with a tan interior. It had some gauges in it. It didn't really have any, you know, major trim or, or fancy stuff on it. Cause at that point in time, those cars, car styling was kind of minimalist. And this, the 318 two barrel, which, you know, it, it didn't get out of its own way. And he brought it to us saying he wanted a paint job, which turned into a complete restoration. And he's got a lot of money in this car. I mean, he's got, he's got money in this car. Yeah. And many times we had the discussion of, you know, street market value of something like this is, you know, 10 grand. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, Having a car fully restored is not a financially, typically is not a financially sound decision to make from what I've seen based on what it takes and the, the money that I've learned what it takes to really do it right, to blow the whole car apart you know, refurbish everything, put it all back together and, and tweak it and tune it and all that, based on the value of the car, does not make financial sense. But there's that whole emotional aspect to it that drives this, and people want their cars that they had in their youth or something that really, you know, turns them on. And if they have the means, they're going to do it. And, and more power mm-hmm. to them. God bless them. It's a great thing. I love seeing a fully restored car on the road. I think it's a great thing. It's great for everybody, I think. Well, and again, it does depend on the car. True. um, Because if this was, I mean, think about it. We tell people that it might cost the same to restore a VW Beetle as it does to restore a GTO um, just because the amount of time it takes to disassemble and sand and paint and everything. It's all steel, rubber, and glass. Yeah. I mean, you know, they all exactly. kind of work the, the same. Um, but that also means it could be the same amount to restore a multi-million dollar Hemi Cuda convertible. Right. And in that case, it's, it's, it's definitely worth it's it. It's totally worth it. Yeah, exactly. When you're dealing with something yeah. that high end and that rare yeah. and that valuable, absolutely. I mean, think about it. You could spend a million dollars restoring one of those cars and come out, come out ahead. far ahead at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. that's nuts. Um, but when I look back at this Murata, let's think of it this way. So we respect our customers' confidentiality. Um, and I'm not going to say what this gentleman spent on the car sure. because that's his, it's his, his business. business. Yeah. But if you say you got a car that is, so this was built in 1980, it was 37 years old. 
if you did the math backwards and broke out what he spent on the car initially and what he spent restoring it and break it out year by year, mm-hmm. right? Now you have a car that would have been cheaper than buying a decent high-end American car every few years. Okay. Right? Because if you're going to spend three, 400 bucks a month on a Cadillac or something or five or six yeah, or right. eight, or, yeah, what's an Escalade? 800 bucks a month Yeah, now? something like that. You know? And if you did that over the course of 37 years, you could have had this thing restored five times. Oh, you know what? That's I never looked at it that way. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah, and, and still have the attachment to the car that you bought new in this guy's case. Mm-hmm. So there's all kinds of ways to look at it. And, and I know sometimes I, I have empathy and I, I feel bad for people that choose to restore cars that maybe aren't high market value things because they're going to go to the car show. And the first thing is going to happen at their weekend cruise is at first a good restoration is going to knock everybody over. Like you're saying, they're going, wow, look at this thing. You know, it's awesome. And then somebody's going to say it, gee, you got a lot of money in this car. I bet, you know, you're never going to get that back out of it. <laughs> and, and, and how do you prepare somebody for that? And generally, you know, I should say always, if somebody invests that kind of money in a car, they know, they know they're not right. They didn't do it for the cash, uh-huh. but you hate to have people go through that kind yeah. of harassment. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why I spend time kind of thinking about it. Well, what do you tell a guy? And it's like, well, Hey, if you look back at the time frame of this car and, and the fact that I'm, you know, hopefully a responsible person and my, my family is clothed and they're fed, <laughs> yeah. and educated, and I have some extra, <laughs> extra money. Cause I, you know, I did whatever I did in my life. Right. And, and you can go to the one side and say, it's my money. Screw you. I can do whatever I want with it. Right. Uh, but most people don't want to go that way either. Uh, but to say, well, this, this brings me some enjoyment. And, um, you know, if you look at the long term, it really wasn't that much. It was a lump sum kind of towards the end of right. the time frame. But, but, uh, yeah, but it's like, like you said, it, it amortized out over the life of the car, probably not that much money. No, no, not really. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Especially when other vehicles have come and gone that, you know, the old story of driving a thing off the lot and lose 30% of its value yeah. and, you know, it rusted away or got wrecked or mm-hmm. crushed or whatever, and, it, and it's done. And that's that's money. You know, nobody ridicules somebody for buying a new whatever. That's true. You, know, you see a guy driving around a new Mercedes, and everyone's like, oh, wow, look at that. You know, that guy's really styling. Mm-hmm. And then you find a guy who restores an oddball car, and you have that select people saying, that guy's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which one's really losing the value yeah. here? And which one's providing the enjoyment, mm-hmm. and the, you know? I don't know. Yeah, that guy in the new Mercedes paid his lump sum up front. The guy in the in the whatever paid his lump sum later on. So yeah, and and where's that Ben's going to be in thirty seven years? Yeah, it's going to be a you couple know. beer cans, more than a couple. <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting to see. You know, it's always fun to see the high dollar cars go at the auction. And um, you uh, you were telling me that one time you were actually one of the. One of the push guys yeah. at Meekum Auction, right? Yeah, yeah, push the cars across the block. That was, that was a lot of work, but a lot of fun. Yeah, without a doubt, um, those auctions are a lot of fun, and and uh, the the action, the bidding action is cool and mm-hmm. it's exciting. Um, I don't know that I got the stomach for it again because I don't have a vast reserve of cash that I could just go buy stuff with. Right. Um, some people live for that thrill of maybe they're going to get it, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I'm, I'm more of a calculated purchaser. I'd have to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. I, I will not spend more than this much on this car. And if it goes higher, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. Well, I've just been, you know, to scrutinizing our pennies for far too long to be as comfortable with doing that. Right. But I love being there around the people that do that. Yeah, uh, that is pretty cool. It's kind, of, it's kind of a high, you know, mm-hmm. to, to do that. Well, I'll tell you what, and a lot of people know this, but if you if you watch that auction, when the, you know typically the first day is a Thursday, that is the greatest bargain day of the whole auction because you'll find some really cool stuff there for not a lot of money. I I saw like a '65 Cadillac convertible that was in nice shape go for like you know ten eleven grand, and yeah. relatively speaking, that's that's nothing. 
that's true. Um, <clears throat> and it's a great point because these are the cars that sometimes aren't televised. Exactly. Uh, you know, midday Thursday mm-hmm. and Wednesday and some of the other big ones. And yeah, uh, they give cars away, it, it feels like, mm-hmm. in, in many ways. And sometimes, you know, it's buyer beware. You might buy something that's yeah. worth what you paid. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll tell you, here's an interesting one. I mentioned these high-end, you know, European cars and, and high-end Cadillacs and stuff. Kelly and I were watching the Meekum auction at uh, Kissimmee, Florida uh, on television. And Sunday was the day. So Saturday night, you know, is the big prime time and all the high dollar muscle cars and classics went across the block. Well, midday and towards the end of the day, Sunday, it's the end of the auction. My guess is in in Kissimmee, Florida, you have a large community of retirees. Mm -hmm. So I think you have a lot of car dealerships down there that are that have lots jammed with lease returns and other trade-ins of jaguars and bens and bmws and all these kind of higher end stuff and some of these dealers have elected to dump their inventory through the meekum collector car auction so i'm looking at the docket and it's like Here's a 2007 BMW 740, you know, and, and it's 10 years old, but yeah. it was a hundred grand new. And on the street, it's still probably 25 or $30,000, mm-hmm. you know, for a nice one. And they sold it for 7,500 bucks. Gosh, dang it. You know? And I was like, wait a minute, what just happened here? Yeah. And here's a, here's a pattern. So here's a nice high end Benz, you know, that was again, hundred thousand dollar car under 10. Here's uh, BMW SUVs. Um, I didn't really see like the, the, American SUVs, you didn't see like Escalades and mm-hmm. and Suburban, uh, you know, the full-size stuff. Because right. those, I think, whatever, either just didn't bring them or it's not that geographic market driving those. Mm-hmm. But, but Kelly and I had the thought, you know, here's a chance to maybe fly down there and scrape together 10 grand. Mm-hmm. And, and when those come up just let it ride you know just bid 10 grand on whatever the heck comes up next right. here's a jag jaguar a benz or whatever and drive it home and maybe next year you sell it here for what you paid for it or maybe a few bucks more yeah uh, you know and and that might be kind of fun that would be um, fun you know of course i'd be the guy that that buys the uh the super expensive european car that you know it's the only one known to have sporadic engine fires <laughs> <laughs> and it's home of the fifty thousand dollar oil change you know whatever yeah. oh yeah that would be my luck as well oh. you get so excited like, oh look at this cool benz i got oh this one the engine tends to fall out of it oh boy yeah right and, and when it does, it does it in front of a, a grade school and it takes 25 people out with it, you know, and you're liable now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I guess seeing some of this stuff in this time of year, I, I tend to think it differently about values and about what matters and what doesn't. And, um, you know, I just hope that people uh, uh, have the presence of mind when they're going to do this stuff to know that, yeah, if you're, if you're restoring a car to get, you know, every dollar investment back out of it, you're right. Chances are you're not going to, Uh unless it is a very valuable car. Um, but you know, again, what else in your daily life? You know, you go to Home Depot and, and ha- heckle the guy because the, the, the bathroom vanity is going to be worth, you know, 20 bucks less in three months. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> well, um, so I'm curious about the, uh, about the trivia question now. Oh, are you now? Well, I've been thinking about it this whole time. And, uh... uh-huh. Well, I'll tell you what, my friend. Okay, my question to you was uh, the 1970 GTO had the humbler option, which was the vacuum-operated exhaust. And is that what that was called? What the hum- was the actual name? It was the humbler. It was the humbler? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a – cool. you could see it. There was one commercial made that was uh, done at the Super Bowl – uh, 1970, and it was pulled right after that because the GM execs had a freak fit about it, and um, yeah, that's yeah, that's the that's the official uh, title of it, the, the freak fit, and um, and they pulled the commercial, but it was a commercial of a guy in a 70 GTO walk driving into like a you know like a car hop drive-in, and he operates the humbler option looking for a street race and it's so intimidating I've seen that. so intimidating he has no takers and he just drives off 
It just, um, yeah, it just kind of burbles off exactly. into the distance. Exactly, exactly. I have seen that. I think that's on YouTube. Yeah, it's worth looking totally up. is. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, and I gave you a plus or minus of 10 vehicles. And I, I asked what the total production for that Humbler option was. And I'm glad I only gave you 10, because if I gave you a 20 either way, you would have got it. You're kidding. No, me. you said 250. The total number was 233. Holy smokes. Yeah. And that, my friend, was pure luck. Mm-hmm. I will claim no knowledge of that production level <laughs> at all. 200, 212 <laughs> hardtops, 21 convertibles had the humbler option. Wow. Great question. Yeah. Almost a great answer, you son of a... <laughs> if yeah, you would have so got it, I was going to just... Just shut this whole thing down. <laughs> I quit. We're done. <laughs> yeah, if I would have got it, especially not knowing anything about it, if I randomly pulled that one right. out, that would have been bad. That was, yeah, that was yeah. a great wow. guess, yeah. a great answer. Well, and I think luckily my, my logic kind of applied because I, I've not seen one. Yeah, yeah, you, you probably hardly ever will see one that's real. I mean, I'm sure you could well, you could yeah. get it. I think if you like go to an Ames catalog... You can get the vacuum-operated exhaust, and you can turn your car into a humbler. And I think they have all the proper aftermarket stuff to make it look right. Yeah. But it's, yeah. chances are it's not going to be from the factory that way. No, because I bet, you know, by mid-1971, all of that internal mechanisms had rusted together. And, <laughs> yeah, probably. You know, I bet I bet most of those got cut off back at dealers, you know, is my guess. Because people, it got stuck open or it didn't work anymore. Yeah. And they probably just cut it off and put regular cans on yeah, it. And said, that's a good point. Ignore, ignore the knob. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, that was a story with Cadillac's air suspension and, and Oldsmobile and Buick in the 50s. Oh, you okay. could buy a, you, you get a 57 Cadillac on airbags all the way around. Wow. I, yeah, I a lot did of not know, know that. that. That was a good, was a good trivia Jim question. trivia buddy. question. Yeah. yeah. Throw, throw another one away. <laughs> Let me make a note because there's one that goes along with that. Oh, but, great. Uh, that airbag deal had a lever switch on the rear end mm-hmm. uh, that determined ride height. And if the thing sank down, the lever would reach the contactor and refill it. Ah. Um, and that mechanism would fail. And these people were buying their fancy new Eldorados and they'd see them on the curb. Nice. So the, the vast, vast, vast majority of those cars got brought back to the dealer and had coil springs put in. No kidding. Factory lowrider. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, man. Right on. Well, so I got that wrong. In your case, um, the question is the, uh, the Ford FE series of engines, which is a very well-known and loved V8 engine, um, what does the FE stand for? Yeah. Your guess Iron. Iron, uh, because uh, knowing the periodic table as well as you do, you knew that iron was the, FE was the abbreviation for iron. Right. Unfortunately, not. (laughs) 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 Oh, you led me right into that one. Right, I really kind of did. Uh, I, I felt bad. Um, <laughs> no, you did not. As I was saying, and I'm like, you know, well, but that's why I said, or not. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the co- correct uh, abbreviation is Ford Edsel. Ford Edsel? Yeah, it was used in both families of cars. The Ford no, platform and the Edsel platform. I did not know this, obviously. And here's another one. You'll see... Uh, you'll see on the Lincoln side, like a Lincoln 430 from the suicide door convertibles, mm-hmm. that's known as an MEL, and that's a Mercury Edsel Lincoln motor. Oh, wow. And <laughs> in Yeah, the, keep uh, piling it on, buddy. <laughs> well, no, this is just for educational purposes. Oh, okay. uh, uh, the Ford trucks, you could get a, uh, a 427 that was basically a beefed-up version of an FE in a Ford truck, and those say FT on them, and it's a Ford truck block. Oh, right on. And, hmm. and so if you're in the junkyard and you see a big old cast iron Ford Monster and it's got an FT on the side, that is one that you can build into a screaming monster, and they, they sell them cheap because people don't realize what they are. So, Huh. So there you go. Oh, there you go. And right now my neighbor Robert is screaming at me that I didn't know that. I'm, I can feel it. Because yes. I'm sure he well, knew what FE was. He's like, no, not iron, not iron. 
Burn! <laughs> yeah, you're about to tell me that it's uh, F you, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you that off the air. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Well, interesting how impo- how how prominent that F E was in this episode, especially yeah. with the uh, the reunion going on right now. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I never I never knew that was a thing. Yes. Well, uh, our buddy Zach Straits, who um, if you've seen any uh, VATV or Muscle Car of the Week episodes. He's been on camera. We've interviewed him about some actual FE-powered cars that they had brought to uh, the Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals. Zach is at this event taking photos for uh, for us that we will share. Okay. From that event, I so dig it. Cool. Hey, you know what? Speaking of Muscle Car of the Week, I just I watched your 200th episode uh, mm-hmm. with with uh, Bobby Unser. That was that was pretty special. That was really a cool episode that was dynamite yeah thank you that was really really neat um the opportunity to hang out with unser uh so our 200th episode featured an interview with bobby unser uh surrounding a car that he raced in 69 that went up pikes peak mm-hmm. and won set a record and the whole thing and the the cars in the brothers collection today and it was featured at the muscle car corvette nationals and they brought unser in and we had a chance to talk to him and uh what a cool guy, man. He For is real. off the charts cool. And the companion piece is uh, we did an hour-long stage presentation interview with, with Unser that we recorded audio on. And that's that's a kind of a V8 radio sidebar mm-hmm. episode. Um, unfortunately, the, the video, we didn't really feel the video was that great. It's, it was him and I on stage in front of a black curtain for an hour. You know, right. I don't know who really wanted to watch that. So we just thought <laughs> this might make a better, you know, audio download. And if you get a chance to listen to that, well, you were there. Uh, yeah, saw, I was there. Yeah, I was yeah, watching yeah, uh, yeah. from the front row. That's right. You and you and uh, Paul were in the front row there. But that one, he, he's got all kinds of fun stories about not having a pilot's license, but flying planes and right. <laughs> right. and teaching himself to be an engineer and, you know, mm-hmm. things regular people do. Yeah, and, um, and is a accredited engineer from SAE, even though he does not have an engineering degree. Yeah. Oh, just brilliant guy. And uh, developed the tires that were on their car with, with Goodyear and, and brought things to the table. Like he was the inventor of multi-ply racing tires. And, and oh, just all kinds of crazy stuff. And, what a resource! Such a, My gosh, such a nice guy too. Just a great guy to be around. Yeah, and very, very, uh, very generous and very uh, um, gracious. And uh, you know, obviously, by spending time with me, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, very nice of him to do. He didn't have to do any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, we published that yesterday, um, and we're getting a lot of good feedback on that. It was fun. Yeah, that so, was great. So thank you. Well, the, yeah. Also, and, 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 I, and I do. I made the comment, but I want to tell you again that engine start sequence of that Ford Torino was that was really cool. Yeah, that was had that some is, good effect in that. That was uh, credited to our crack production team mm-hmm. who shot the video on that and uh, edited that because there was we had a decent amount of footage. And the story there is that that engine was built. It's a boss, which was not an FE. Correct. It's a three three eighty five series, <clears throat> but I've actually called that one an FE and did different episode, and I got uh, I got pointed out that I was wrong. So don't feel so bad. Uh, slip of the mind. Um, but that particular engine was built by Smokey Eunuch, and he's the last guy we think that actually worked on that. And as it sits today, that car does not hold coolant. You're kidding me. This is a little behind the scenes thing. It's either got a bad water pump gasket or the radiator's rotten or something. Uh-huh. So. We were like, you know, it'd be really great to see this and hear this thing run. It's too bad it doesn't, you know, because, you know, it doesn't. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the handlers of the cars for the collection's like, oh, no, 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 it runs. We just got to shut it down after a minute or two, but but it runs. <laughs> so, yeah, you got to see that thing running uh, in that episode. And really, it got shut down seconds after that. Is that right? So we don't heat it up and ruin it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that would be rather unfortunate. <laughs> no, and it's all good. It's an angry engine. Yeah. I mean, you could hear it in that in that thing. and sounded nice. We had three cameras shooting the little uh, burnout kind of scene. And we didn't shoot a typical burnout because it was a, it's a gravel car, right. you know, going up the mountain. So we, we found the spot of rocks out in the field over there and just kind of drifted it off and did a hard launch and and we used a couple different camera angles we showed that twice from different angles so it was only one shot though to get that right we, we didn't have the luxury of eh, do it again right because we didn't right. burn that thing down but mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the crew, again, did a tremendous job of making me look uh, like, you know, halfway. I know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. but they made the pictures look beautiful. So Yeah, definitely. So thank you for noting that. I will pass your kind words along. Yeah, definitely. They deserve a raise. They were bargain at twice the price. I'm working for you, guys. I'm working for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. And so are you, as a matter of fact. Oh, pre- yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, it was, uh, again, man, it went by fast. It did go by fast. Me. Yeah, for sure. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if the listeners felt that it went by <laughs> fast. <laughs> Prolong the agony. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, great, great show. I appreciate the time. And uh, thanks for playing along. If we talk about some of our other stuff, the Muscle Car of the Week or V8 TV or the V8 Speed and Resto Shop, these are all things that you can look up on our websites. Um and there's a link at v8radio.com to the other sites. If you're not familiar with it, maybe you're listening on iTunes or TuneIn Radio or the Google Play app. Uh, we welcome you to subscribe on YouTube to any of those channels and uh, also find us on Facebook. And uh, pretty soon we'll have a V8 Radio Facebook page too. Right on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's more socialization? That's the way I look at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, man. So uh, until next time, keep the uh, keep the shiny side up. Right on. <laughs> <laughs>